0: Great to be with you all this morning on this second Sunday of Advent. Uh, for those of you I've not met, my name is TJ. Uh, <laughs> for those of you I have met, uh, my name is still TJ. <laughs> I'm a member here at Wellspring and part of the preaching team. So, uh, as, we conv- as we continue our Advent series from generation to generation, this morning we'll be talking about something we all have some familiarity with, fear. In the words of Dr. Henry Walton Jones, Jr., snakes, why'd it have to be snakes? (laughs) I'm of course talking about the beloved character, Indiana Jones, Uh, in addition to being a tenured professor of archeology, span he is the quintessential adventurer from defeating Nazis, to rescuing a village, from a human-sacrificing cult, to finding the Holy Grail. Indy constantly has to stand directly in the midst of life-threatening danger, and is seemingly unfazed by it all. He's the image of bravery. And, while I'm not a tenured professor, and I've never been in the catacombs below Venice searching for clues to my kidnapped father, Indiana Jones and I do share one very important trait. We're afraid of snakes. Uh, Thankfully, I was not chased by grave robbers into a circus train full of snakes as a child. Uh, Nothing like that. Um, I did have a pet rattlesnake as a kid, uh, which is, maybe pet is probably the wrong word, and probably a story for another time. Uh, Ask me about it later. But clearly, I would say snakes and I, we're not on speaking terms. Uh, I don't enjoy seeing snakes uh, in life or on TV. You'll notice I don't have a picture of a snake up here. Why would I do that to myself? So I think you all know what they look like. And to be honest, I had mostly believed that God loved me. But it wasn't until I found out that there's a place that not only doesn't have snakes, but actively works to keep snakes away from me when I moved to Hawaii. is <laughs> in that moment that I knew God loved me. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, Hawaii is the most sacred of places on Earth. Since we're talking about fear today, I figured just get my biggest fear out of the way out in the top here. Um, I wish that this was the last mention of snakes in the sermon. Um, we'll call it divine irony, but it is actually in the scripture passage this morning. So go figure. Um, we will turn to that now, uh, turn to Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Lord of the Lord, thanks be to God. Maybe it's the mention of snakes, but when I read this passage, I think it shows us a lot about fear. And more importantly, I see it contrasting fear with the kingdom of God. Maybe I'm thinking about these things because it's Advent. I think at the very core, Advent comes in the midst of fear and welcomes in the kingdom of God. So as we hold these two things, we will dive into our text this morning in three parts, kind of like a snazzy Piece suit, if you will. Um, We'll do two through five, six through nine, and we'll come back for the first and the last verses. So we'll start with this first section, verses two through five. Isaiah begins by talking about this mysterious ruler that's coming one day, this idyllic figure that will be incomparable, a monarch of all monarchs. With the spirit of God surrounding this person, they're categorized with words like wisdom, counsel, knowledge. Most importantly, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. When we make decisions based solely off what we hear and see, um, we're reacting. And in the moment, often out of fear. And fear based choices are destructive at their very core. I think here we begin to see that fear is judgy. And that's what fear is all about it judges what's safe and what's not and reacts to save us, to persevere ourselves. Uh, this sounds actually pretty good. I think fear can be good. I would argue that my fear of snakes has kept me snake bite free for decades now. And like, the issue is that if fear is the only reason we're making a decision, the only factor, everything gets really judgy really quick. You not only start to judge things for yourself, But then you start to judge things for everyone else. And this is where Isaiah presents us with a vision of the alternative. In the kingdom of God, what can this look like? So he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. And with justice, he'll give decisions for the poor of the earth. Judging the needy with justice and giving decisions to the poor. These aren't decisions based in fear. Those are decisions based in the grace of God to bring about wholeness and peace. So in comparison to fear being judgy, let's say the kingdom of God is gracious. When grace is added into the decision-making process whole new world of possibilities opens up because fear is limited. God's love is expansive and huge. So if you're filling out your tables, uh, we've got the first row. So we're going to move to the second row. Looking at our second I have group of uh, verses here. So verses six through nine. An add on here. So, this is the part where all the animals come into play, uh, including certain legless creatures. I think there's some really striking imagery here. We have wolves hanging out with lambs, leopards chilling with goats, lions being friends with baby cows. Uh, kind of some weird scenes, I would say. I think those are very intentional pairings, though. On the one side, you have the predators. And on the other, the prey, their meals. And this person that Isaiah has been talking about, uh, their rule doesn't just happen to coincide with animals forming cool friendship groups. Uh, No, I think it's something bigger happening. Fear has been removed from the relationships that creation has with the rest of creation. I Think maybe the most striking image of the passage, at least for me and my personal fears, Isaiah shows us a child sticking their hand to a pit of snakes. A child, you know, the very image of defenseless, not harmed. And I think reminded here that snakes hold a lot of metaphorical baggage in the Bible. Remember, it's the serpent that plays a pivotal role in the Garden of Eden, and Moses' rod turns into a snake to show the power of God to Pharaoh. So it's not just that snakes have lost their power here. uh, It's that snakes have lost the desire to do harm. They've lost fear. Thus, they've lost their reason to attack. I think the image of peace here is not just a lack of animosity. It's the presence of community. I think that's important. It's not just a lack of, you know, conflict, animosity, and strife. It's the presence of something bigger, better. In these verses, we're reminded of the reality That when we rely on fear, we are guarded. Our next blank. When these animals react in fear, they stomp their hooves, they claw out. Snakes, what do they do? They curl up so that they can strike. Fear is about drawing inward. About being guarded. But this image we see from Isaiah shows us something different. Instead of being guarded, we see a creation that is welcoming. With arms stretched out, creation embraces everything around them. Not just living without fear. It's living in the love of God. Living in the kingdom of God. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that these animals be seen as metaphors for us humans. I think we have all seen others lash out in fear. But the good news of Advent, it doesn't have to be this way. There is another way. And it completely changes how the world works. Comparing fear And the kingdom of God, again, this way is really striking. Because we see all these things today. We live in the reality that the kingdom of God is not yet here. We see this fear. And yet, the kingdom of God is here. In Advent, we're waiting for the coming king. The king that will rule with wisdom and mercy. A king that gives justice to the poor and the needy. In Advent, we're also waiting for the kingdom to come as well. The kingdom is characterized not by fear, not by building up high walls to protect the castle, a kingdom built on being gracious and welcoming so that all of creation knows what it means to live in peace. The candle we lit this morning. So When I told you all that my biggest fear is snakes, it wasn't exactly correct. For a long time, uh, my biggest fear was getting a phone call. Specifically, a phone call telling me that my dad was dead. For all my life, he had chronic health issues, so getting that phone call always felt like a possibility. And I never got that phone call. Instead, I got the call that my dad was dying. And I've never been more afraid than in that moment. The very thing I feared most was coming true, and there's nothing I could do about it. That next month after the phone call was easily the hardest month of my life. And I can uh, say without a doubt that the love of God was shown to me by everyone around me, by family, friends, even my work. And I was welcomed into homes and spaces without the expectation to bring anything other than my brokenness. That grace and that welcoming didn't take away the difficulty of life. I really wish it could have I really do, but it's not how life works. Part of the reality of the world that we live in, that we only get to see glimpses of what's to come. And we still very much experience difficulty. So sitting next to my dad as he died was the most difficult moment in my life. The graciousness and welcoming I received in that time didn't lessen that difficulty. It didn't take away the pain. I think anyone who's experienced loss of any kind knows that this is true. That pain's real. Nothing takes away that pain. And, and there's more to the story. As the kingdom of God doesn't work to take that away, but it works to surround it with something greater. Peace of God surrounds us and helps us carry that pain and fear. The pain and suffering we experience causes us to be constantly fearing. And thus, we're working to guard ourselves, make judgments to save ourselves. That work is exhausting. I think this leads us to those parts of Isaiah that we haven't quite touched yet, beginning and end. a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Without getting too much into the history of the kingdom of Israel, the image we have here is of a stump, a tree that's been cut down, cut off from its branches and fruit. In spite of the lifeless appearance, in verse 10, we see that the roots of this tree, they're still there. They're still getting nutrients. It can sprout again. For Isaiah, he sees the reign of King David's lineage being restored to its fullness, producing great fruit for Israel. Thinking back, this doesn't change the fact that that tree was cut down. Now, I don't want to to miss the punchline in verse 10 here. This previously dead stump will not only grow, but become the very image of strength. A banner for the people of God to rally around. And this is clear war imagery. Soldiers rally around their banner, you know, represents their people, their land. So this formerly dead plant will become the very thing that shows strength to the entire world. But it has nothing to do with military might. God's kingdom, whose symbol is a dead tree, who's sprouting new and very vulnerable life, is characterized not by might, but by the rest it provides. And you can't rest when you're being guarded and judgy. You're far too concerned about everything else to truly rest. But in the kingdom of God, in the midst of God's love, there's a welcoming a gracious rest. There is peace. And that's how we're able to experience the kingdom of God today and finding the rest and peace that helps us float when our fears are weighing us down. Again, it doesn't reduce the size or the weight of our fears but it gives us a buoyancy that keeps us from sinking. So in this second week of Advent, we are reminded of the moment where an angel comes to Mary to tell her that everything is about to change. And that's when the angel Gabriel tells Mary, do not be afraid. For Mary, and for us, there is plenty to be afraid of. But this angel's message is think, more about just fear in this one moment. Because with the coming of Jesus, the coming of the kingdom of God, fear as a whole won't be necessary. Because fear is focused on survival, and that's not an issue in the reality of the kingdom of God. Everything changes. So as Advent continues, we're invited to feel the tension, tension in this world, as we know and we experience every day. Fear is all around us. Everywhere we look, it seems like we're met with multiple fears. It's nothing new. We're not the only people to experience this. The world that Jesus was born into, they knew what it meant to be in constant fear. But Advent is also about the hope and what's coming. Think of a line from a little town of Bethlehem. Hopes and fears of all the years. I met in thee tonight. I think this perfectly fits with our theme from generation to generation. Because it's not just that first Christmas where some hopes and some fears come together. Jesus, in being born, took on all of the hopes and fears of all time, past, present, future. The world has always known what it means to fear. The world has also known what it means to hope. And Jesus, these come together to give us a view of the kingdom of God. A world where the gracious welcoming of God surrounds our fears. And keeps them from defining us. That's good news. I think this all sounds very abstract, maybe impractical, but we get a chance to practice this here and now. I actually mean here and now. This morning, we'll be taking communion, which is a time where we join the long, long history of the people of God taking this sacrament. Because communion is an embodiment of the kingdom of God, you're all graciously welcomed to the table. You can bring all of your fears with you. You can bring all of your hopes with you. And you will be met with peace and rest from a God that will surround all of it. Let's take a few moments as we prepare our hearts and minds for His communion in the midst of Advent, in the midst of our broken world, in the midst of the kingdom of God.